The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. We're in our new series called Uncommon. And what our goal is, our hope and our prayer, we've been praying for you a lot, is that you would be equipped to handle your life. All the things that you'll be facing in life, life throws at us all kinds of things. Uh, Sometimes there's suffering, sometimes there's trial, sometimes it's great and wonderful and things are going well. But we want to equip you to be effective in your life. You see, your Christian faith should actually help you. Maybe you didn't know that, but it should make a difference in your life. And so we want to prepare you, equip you, train you, help you to be able to sail through the challenges of life. And and let me tell you, it's possible, it is possible to face very difficult things, face suffering, well. It's possible to do it well. It's possible to go through that with joy, with peace, with hope, knowing that God is with you, he's helping you, he's leading you. And so I believe the only way you can do that is if you are very, very close to the Lord Jesus, you are walking with him, you know him, and it's developing godliness in your life. I believe that's the only way that you'll be able to do that. If you don't have that, then going through suffering and hardships in life is going to be very, very difficult. And what I've seen over and over and over, if your faith isn't very strong, if it's not solid, you aren't engaged every day in a relationship with Jesus, then a lot of times your faith goes right out the window. I mean, that's the first thing to go. And you'll hear people say, oh, God, why didn't you stop this? Why didn't you prevent this? You're not even there. You're not real. They curse God. Um, That's a very common human response to suffering. Uh, Look at the book of Job sometime. You can see that after Job's all of his calamity, his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And that's how it can feel if you're not walking with the Lord every single day. That gives you an incredible hope and strength and joy and peace knowing that you are not alone. So these are very valuable teachings to us as Christians. And if you're here and you're a non-Christian and you're hearing this, it's really good because it tells you what uh, is expected of you as a follower of Christ. If you're going to become a Christian, this is expected. So what we're going to cover today, Jesus expects every follower to be doing this thing. So it's good to know that in advance and not be told afterwards. Oh, I didn't realize you had to do all this stuff. Okay? So ask yourself the question, what does God expect from me? What does he want from me? What am I supposed to do? I'm a Christian now. I bought a Bible. Now what do I do? What, what, does, God expect? what does God want from me? It's a great question. And he says in his word that what he wants from you is fruitfulness. And not just some fruitfulness. He wants much fruit from you. 
God is expecting you to produce a whole bunch of godly fruit. Godliness and fruit in your life. That's what he wants to see. That's what he's expecting. So if you're a Christian for any amount of time, you should be starting in on these things. You should be implementing them into your life. If you've been a Christian for a year or more, then these things should be a regular routine in your life every single day. And if they're not, then something's really wrong. Okay, You are not living up to the expectation that God has of you, and you are probably a, a very ineffective, unprepared Christian and probably very frustrated and discouraged. You don't understand why the Bible doesn't speak to you and why prayer is so boring and unfulfilling. All these other problems and challenges and dysfunctions because you're not living up to the very basic minimum expectation. So of the sum total of your life, God expects you to have spent a great deal of your life in his word, in the Bible, studying his autobiography. God expects us to spend a great deal of time in the word, studying the word, making it a part of our life. We learned that last week. And so today, I want to look at uncommon prayer. This, these are common things that you should be doing, but many of you are not. So uncommon prayer is today. God expects from us much prayer. Did you know that? That God expects you to be praying all the time? That he expects you, listen to this, God expects you to take prayer as seriously as Jesus did. Did you catch that? He wants you to be as serious about prayer as Jesus was. That's his expectation of us. Not just some prayer. Not just prayer when you're in trouble. Not just prayer when you feel like it. Not just prayer here and there and haphazard and not organized. Just throwing out prayers. That's not what God expects. He expects fruitfulness in prayer. He expects that you'll be so connected with him in prayer and in studying the word that you will have supernatural strength and power to be an overcomer, to do well in life. As I said, to be able to handle the things that are coming your way. God expects you to be serious about this. Now, it would be very easy for me to make you feel guilty in the area of prayer. In fact, some of you already are. Okay? Very easy for me to do that because I think most Christians know they should be praying more. They feel bad about it. I don't pray enough. I know. I'm sorry. I'm not going to try and make you feel guilty today. Okay? It would be too easy. Nor am I going to try and inspire you to pray. Because one, I can't, okay, and stand up here and jump around and scream and yell and take off my clothes, and it would make no difference in your prayer life, other than you might start praying for me. (laughs) What you need, and this is what I think that Christians don't pray, because they don't know how. Now, that probably sounds weird, doesn't it, right? It's like, what? You don't know how to pray? 
anybody can pray, right? It's just saying stuff. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm talking about a connection with God. You see, maybe you can identify with this. You're having a heated conversation with a person of the opposite sex, okay? And you're having this conversation, and you're so frustrated because it seems like that person isn't hearing you. And you think to yourself, I'm speaking perfect English, and you don't understand me. Right? Have you ever been that frustrated? It's because communication is far more than speaking words. Right? It's a connection. If I'm communicating clearly, then we're connecting. We're on the same page. And that's what God wants to do with you. You see, he wants you to know how to connect with him and have a conversation. Conversations are two-way. And what most of you have is a one-way thing where you're just throwing out words here and there and you're getting nothing back. So you give up. Say, what kind of relationship is that? That's no fun. Would that be fun? Let's say you go on a trip and you're going to meet your cousin you haven't spoken to in six years and you fly to Milwaukee and there's your cousin and they get in the, you get in the car and the whole way there home, your cousin doesn't say a word to you. Not hello, not hi, not do you remember that guy's house and you, they're doing this here and do you see this? Nothing. Would you be disappointed? You bet you would. You would be very disappointed you would grow to hate that and eventually declare that relationship isn't worth having. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of Christians do. They aren't receiving anything back, and so they give up, and they don't pray. Well, the problem isn't on God's end, is it? The problem is you don't know how to pray. You are ineffective in your prayer life. You're not producing the fruit of godliness. So let's change that today, all right? Jesus, start with this. Jesus expects us to pray. Listen to some of these excerpts from Jesus. Matthew 6, 5. When you pray, pray like this. Matthew 6, 7. When you pray, pray in this way. Luke 11, 9. I tell you, ask, seek, and knock. Luke 18.1, and he told them this parable that they should always pray. All through the Bible, I could do a whole bunch more of those. Coming from Jesus himself, not only did he pray and spend great deals of time in prayer, he expected everyone else to do the same, to be like him. I preached a sermon on this in January, following in the prayer life of Jesus. Look it up sometime on our website. But you already know all of that, right? You know. You know that you should be praying more. You know that God wants you to pray more. But you don't know how. Remember 1 Timothy 4, 7? Does that ring a bell? Maybe. We've been mentioning it every single week. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now, just as communication with your spouse is a discipline, so also communication with God is a discipline. 
because we have this thing called the flesh. And our flesh doesn't want to pray. Our flesh wants to sleep. Right? You wake up an hour early. The alarm clock goes off and, oh, oh, an hour early. And you go into your prayer closet over there on the couch. You're sitting there to pray and, Lord, Half hour goes by, Lord, okay? Your flesh doesn't want to pray. You know that, right? But prayer produces godliness, and daily prayer produces much godliness. So if all of this is true, everything that I've said is true, you've looked it up on your own Bible, and you can verify that I'm telling the truth, why aren't more Christians praying? That doesn't make sense. Why don't we pray more? Well, you haven't been trained. You haven't been trained. Successful prayer is learned. We learn how to pray. You have to be taught how to pray. Do you need to teach a baby how to pray? No. Baby doesn't know how to pray. Does a baby need to be taught how to cry? No. Babies cry when they're hungry, they want something, uh, they're uncomfortable, there's something in the diaper, they want, they're afraid, you know. It's all automatic, okay? You cry automatically. It just happens. It comes out. There's a certain amount of prayer that is just like that, okay? It just pops out. It comes out. Oh, God, get us through this. I remember getting in a wreck. I get my car. Dad helped me buy it. I get it. Driving after school, feeling cool. You know, I'm like 17. Cheerleaders are out practicing, and I'm just looking at the cheerleaders, and wham, run right into the guy in front of me. Cadillac. And I remember sitting there saying, Oh, God in heaven, I will serve you for the rest of my life if you will just have my dad not kill me for this. I didn't care what the police were going to do. I was afraid of my dad. And we throw those out automatically, don't we? Okay? Just like a baby does. But at some point, you expect that baby to grow up and no longer communicate that way. Right? I mean, if you can put pants on, then you can ask for what you want instead of crying about it. There's nothing worse than a 35-year-old temper tantrum, right? It's like, grow up, please, right? We will put up with your babiness as long as you're in diapers. But the minute you can put pants on, we want you to communicate a little bit better than that, right? So I know some of you go, you're in diapers, you go out of diapers, and then you go back into diapers. <laughs> but we expect you to grow up, and God does as well. He expects you to grow up. He expects you to learn different methods. And some, one, one complaint that I hear a lot is, I don't feel anything when I pray. Well, what are you supposed to feel? Well, I want to feel the presence of God. What does the presence of God feel like? 
uh, a good feeling. Where is that described in the Bible? I don't know. Because it's not. Do you have this, ooh, wonderful, just, oh, goosebumps feeling when you talk to your spouse every time? No. No. (laughs) My wife, I just love her so much. She's so precious. She... She, she brought me this thing on her, her iPad, and she was showing me these pictures and stuff. And, and I, I got up, and I just walked into the kitchen, and she's like, well, I'm not done showing you the pictures. And I said, well, I'm done looking at them. And then I learned that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> Grow up, idiot. God expects more of us as we grow. And the longer you're in the faith, the less you need to go off of your feelings. Okay? The less and less and less feelings you need. It's okay at the beginning. You know, we'll pat your butt and we'll encourage you. But you need to grow up. And your relationship with Christ is based on faith and truth and discipline, not feelings. Okay? You would hate a relationship where the other person cried every day. Wouldn't you? You would get sick of that. So it's time to grow up. Well, how do we grow up? How does a a baby become spiritually mature? Well, you do through prayer. Prayer and Bible study together causes you to grow up. If Here's a warning for you. If you never progress past the 911 prayers, the casual prayers, the God I promise I'll serve you, serve you and if you get me, bail me out here prayers, if you never get past that, you will never grow up. You will always be a spiritual baby. God won't be able to use you in ministry. He won't be able to call upon you when he needs you. You won't be successful in dealing with your trials. You won't be able to handle anything. You are a baby. And so you must grow up. And the way you do that is by being daily before God in prayer and studying the word. Some of you prayed the magical prayer, you know, the magical prayer that we pray. Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord. Amen. Boom, you're saved. Okay? Well, that's not true, unfortunately. Salvation is a whole lot more than that. Okay? We don't have time to get into that today. That's for another discussion. But nonetheless, that is true. So Christians don't pray because they don't know how. They haven't been taught. I want to teach you how. Let's start with this. You know, I thank God for his word. God's word is so amazing. Because in his word, we see how to pray. We see when to pray. We see what to pray about. 
We learn in what order we should address them before God. We learn different words and things we should use in prayer when we talk with God. We learn the right attitude we should have. There's so much teaching on how to pray. It's unbelievable. There is no excuse for anyone to not know how to pray. You just simply haven't studied it. You haven't looked into it. You haven't been taught. You haven't been trained. That's why you don't know. Because all of it is there. Prayer is learned by praying. It's much like riding a bike. Okay? You can read a book on riding a bike. And you can watch people riding a bike. But you don't know how to ride a bike until you get on the bike. Okay? You've got to do it. So you learn prayer by praying. You've got to get started. You've got to start praying. Another good way to learn how to pray is to listen to other people pray. Go to prayer meetings. Get down. Go beside somebody. Listen to them pray. You learn a lot from listening to others. But the most effective method for praying that I have ever discovered, believe me, I have been working at this for a while, okay? Not quite 30 years. That's a long time. And I found the most, by far, the most effective method of praying is praying with the scriptures. Now, if praying with the scriptures is the most effective praying, then you have to understand the doctrine of illumination. That's the first thing you got to know. Okay, the doctrine of illumination. Maybe you haven't heard that before. Let me give you just a few of the verses, kind of give you an introduction to this doctrine, and that'll be enough for us to move on, but you can look into it further. Ephesians 1, verses 16 through 18a says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what the hope to which he has called you. So we see here the Holy Spirit is giving your spiritual eyes sight to see to understand, to receive, and absorb spiritual truth. That's his job. The Holy Spirit, he he exalts Christ. And to do that, he points us to the word of God and helps us to uh, hear and know what God has for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit is the one who illumines our mind to the understanding of what God is saying to us when God is speaking to us through The word. All right? So, it begins simply with this. You go and find your place, maybe over on the couch like that over there. You get your tools out. Let's go over here. You get your tools out. 
my prayer place is the couch in the living room. And so I sit down on the couch. I got my Bible. I've got a notepad and a pen and my iPad and phone or whatever. You've got to have the right tools, you know. You get them all out there. And I start with a short prayer. It's, Lord, touch my mind. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to be able to read the scriptures and understand. All right? Now, I need that help. But that's a prayer he always answers. I have never, ever once not had that prayer answered. That's an automatic. God wants you to know. He wants you to ask. And when you do, boom, you got it. Okay? You can have that confidence. You're going to open it up now, and you're going to begin to understand what you didn't understand before. So then what we do is I don't go into a whole bunch of praying. I go right to my Bible. And, I, and as I told you a couple of weeks ago, you know, you start with a small book, and you read that every single day for 30 days, and then you switch to a bigger book, and you read five or six chapters and work your way through that book. And in two and a half years... You will know everything there is to know in the entire New Testament. You will be the only person on your block, believe me, that is doing that. But so I chose a passage for this morning. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. So not a big section, it's only five verses, okay? And I start by reading it. It says this. This is the message we have heard from him... And proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus the Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, for the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So I read the five verses, and then I use meditation method number one. There are 17 different methods that you can use to meditate on Scripture. All of them come from Scripture for, for the most part. Some of them uh, do not. And the, the, the meditation is laying the groundwork for the prayer. So the method I'm going to start with is to emphasize different words in the text. From this text, I see that sin is a major word in this passage. There's a lot about sin here. And what is sin? Sin is missing the mark. Is being off. Uh, Sin is disobedience to God. Sin is the deliberate choice to rebel against what I know to be true. You know, sometimes I sin and I don't even know it. You know, when I was younger, in my 20s, 
I would pray, and I'd be confessing all kinds of sins. I mean, I'm struggling with lust and sin and lying. I mean, I'm just going through this huge list. It's a big struggle. But, you know, you grow, and as you get closer to Christ, those things fall off. And so now I get to a place in my life where I'm going to go to pray, and I can't think of anything. Nothing comes to mind. And I say, Lord, convict me of sin. What is, what is there? And nothing comes up. But that doesn't mean I'm not sinning. Because he said so right here. If we say we do not sin, we make him a liar. So I know for a fact that there is sin there, even though I can't see it. And so it tells me how to pray when I ask for forgiveness. There's a whole section I can need to cover when I'm praying about forgiveness, but that'll come. So, sin is definitely a, a, an important word in this text. There are actually four or five important words here as well. Um, he, he talks about confession, how confession is so incredibly important to the health of my soul. Um, I think confession empowers me. Because if I, if I spend some time with the Lord in the morning, first of my day, and I'm confessing these things to myself, I'm dishing off a burden, and I feel light for the day. I feel like it's a fresh new day. I can go out and live my life. So you may want to write some of these things down in your notebook, write the key words, meditate on those, now we pray. And so then I would go into prayer and I would, start, I would probably say something like, Lord, I am a wretch. I am sinful and I see that, that in your word that, that I sin and even I sin when I don't even know I'm sinning. So Lord, forgive me for all the sins that I know of. List them all off. Da, 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 da. And Lord, please forgive me for the sins I don't even know, but you know. And I go forth in the confidence, Lord, that you said right here, you said to me, you would forgive me and you would cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You said that to me, Jesus. Thank you that I can get up from this couch righteous because of you. You know, I can go for a half an hour just on that alone. Dialoguing with him about my life and about the importance of being pure and godly and walking in righteousness before him. So I've got some time, so I go to another one. I try method number three. What does the text teach? What does this text teach us? I think it teaches us two powerful things. Maybe three or four, but two for sure is that we're sinful people and we're righteous people through Christ. So we don't walk around all day going, I'm a sinner, I'm a loser. You know? Now, sometimes if you're dealing with guilt and shame, usually it's because you haven't forgiven yourself. I mean, you've, God's forgiven you. They've forgiven you. You can't forgive yourself. And that's a hard one. But you must forgive yourself. 
And I then go pr- and I'll pray on that for a while. And then I go to me- method number five. I've got more time. Look for personal applications of the text. What does this text say to me personally and how can I apply it to my life? Well, and there's many ways I can apply this in a lot of different things. Maybe I need to go to my wife and say, Joy, you know, the other day I spoke so harshly to you and I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? Being in right relationship with God, he'll always say, okay, you're right with me. Are you right with him? Are you right with your brother? Are you right with this person? You know? And God directs you through his word. So the conversation works like this. Jesus is saying to me, 1 John 1, 5 through 10. Those are his words. He's speaking to me. So I hear him, then I respond to him. So I hear from the word, and I respond in prayer. Hear from the word, respond in prayer. You don't need anything else. The word is enough. You want to hear from God? Read the word. Oh, I'm just not hearing messages from God. You know, sometimes Christians will pray, and and they'll close their eyes, and they'll wait for a word to come out and enter in their brain. And they'll wait. I'm hearing popsicles. Popsicles are wonderful in summertime. God gave me this great word today. You won't believe it. He told me all about popsicles. You're a nut. You're a goof. You made a mistake. That wasn't God. God is not always dropping things in your head. If anything drops in your head that is from God, it will be identical to what's in the Bible. Okay? He, he speaks through his word. He speaks through his word. This is how you spend time with Jesus every single day. It's so simple. And let me tell you, if you will do this, you will never again fall asleep. Never again. You will never again. In fact, you will find yourself doing this. Oh, man, I got to go to work. Oh, I wish I could stay, Lord. I want to stay longer, but I got to go to work. I can't. Maybe there's another time throughout today I could find, Lord, to be with you. I'll look for that maybe tonight or something, but I, I, I have to go to work. As opposed to, oh, I don't want to pray. Oh, it's so horrible. It's so boring. You will begin to develop a relationship with Almighty God. It is not boring. It is life-changing. It is dynamic. It brings such joy in your life. Peace. (laughs) Last week, I'm walking through this neighborhood. It's beautiful weather. It's sunny. I'm wearing shorts. I'm walking through this neighborhood. It's just peaceful. And my heart just erupted in worship and prayer. And I just said, oh, Father, I love you with all of my heart. You are so good to me. Thank you for who you are. Papa, Daddy, you're my Daddy. I love you, my Daddy. This spontaneous worship erupted out of my heart. Why? Because earlier that morning, 
I was there with him, and we were reading Psalms together, and that was being put into my heart. You see, your mouth speaks out of the abundance of your heart. And so you don't say the right things because you don't have the right things in you. So you get the word in you and the right things come out to your boss and to your friends and to your family and to your children. And you know what else this does? This sharpens your conscience. One of the most dangerous things that can happen to anyone. Look at Romans 1.8. Anything. This will, if your conscience is seared. In other words, you can no longer hear conviction from God. Then you are in big trouble. You are, you are lost. You don't ever want to lose that conscience. And spending time with God sharpens that thing. And so when you bark at your kids, you hear in your mind, hey, 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 don't say that. Respect them. You don't talk to people that way. You see, God guides you. He helps you. He tells you what to say. You know it because it's in you. This is just simply how to be with Jesus. This is how to pray. Never pray without the Bible. Always pray with the Bible. Bible first, pray. Bible, pray. Bible, pray. That's how it goes. You know what? There are a lot of times when I don't pray for uh, hardly anyone or anything I'm not asking God for something. I'm just dialoguing with him about his truth and applying it to my life. Now, don't think more highly of me than you ought, okay? I am no prayer giant. I struggle in prayer, and there are times when I'll I'll be there, and I'll, I'll like just gutting it out for a half hour, get up and go, man, that was tough. Okay, because it still is a discipline and we still have flesh. So we'll always contend with that. But that is not the norm for me. That is the odd day when I have that experience. Now, it all boils down to this. What are you going to do with what you just heard? Are you going to start praying? You don't have any more excuses. There are no excuses. None. You know how. You know why. You know that if you pray, it will move the heart of God and incredible things will happen. Answers to prayer. God, prayer moves the heart of God. So if you don't do this, if you don't put this practice into your life and you're a Christian, then you are deliberately rejecting Christ. Because now you know. Now you're held accountable for it. You see? 
you should be careful when you go to church. You will be deliberately rejecting a relationship with Jesus, and you had better not complain that I get nothing out of it. You had better not moan and whine and say, I've tried Christianity, it doesn't work. Yeah, you know, this is boring. I don't like prayer. I don't like the Bible. I don't read it. You had better not respond to that because the truth is otherwise. This is so serious. This is so serious. You can do nothing without Jesus. How can I say that? Because Jesus said so in John 15. You can do nothing apart from me. And we have the Holy Spirit who will help us in this relationship. You're not on your own. He's there to help you. So we cannot say that we don't know him if we never spend time with him. Unless we just started, right? Your first day on the job. You you're got saved today. Okay. Free pass. The rest of you? Uh-uh. This is a minimum expectation of a Christian. And you know what's really sad? You didn't know that. Christianity today has gotten so horribly, unbelievably watered down and boiled down to nothing that Christians don't even know they're supposed to spend time before God, their Savior, the lover of their soul, every single day. And they don't do it. What have we done to Christianity in America? It's a disaster. It's an all-out disaster. It's, it's discouraging to think that this has been lost. Do you know our brothers and sisters that have gone before us 100 years, 100 years before? Every single one of them was doing this. It was normal. This was, this is what Christians do. They did it. Children, adults, all of them. And then something happens along the way and poof, out the window it goes and Christians don't even read their Bible. They don't pray. It's discouraging. If we say we know God and we never spend time with him, then according to the gospel of John, we are a liar and a hypocrite. And I don't want to be a liar and I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to know Jesus. So let's pray. And as we pray, would you consider making a promise to the Lord today? Would you consider that? Saying, Lord, I want to do this, and I need your help. I know I'm going to fail. I know I'm not good at this, but I want to. I want to learn this. I want to be a good, I want to be a man of prayer. You know what I said to my wife a long time ago? I don't know if she remembers this. It was about a decade ago. 
I said, honey, what I want to be known as is I want to be known as a man of prayer. I want them to put that on my gravestone. Here lies John. He loved to pray. Wouldn't that be a great thing to live your life for? To be good at prayer? To know God? I hope that you will consider aspiring to that today. And that you would not listen to me, but listen to the Holy Spirit. Draw you in to Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, first of all, Lord, forgive us. Please, please forgive us, Lord, for ignoring your word and for being so prayerless and neglecting you and neglecting prayer. We deserve the hardships we face. We do. Lord, I love my friends at CRC. I love them. And Lord, I would love nothing more than for you to call them into intimacy with yourself. Lord, I don't want to be a pastor of a church of a bunch of baby Christians always running around crying, complaining, and complaining about this, and complaining about that, and whining, and messing their diapers everywhere all the time. Lord, I want to be a part of an army, soldiers, who are radical, ready, ready to serve at a moment's notice. And I can't do that, Lord, without you touching their hearts and calling them into service. So I ask, Lord, that you would call many people today into intimacy with you through your word and prayer. And Lord, when it's hard, and it will get hard, I pray that you give them strength and courage to be faithful every day. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.